All right, everybody. Hello and welcome back to the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast. We're here recording on the Tuesday evening for our Wednesday episode, the July 27th episode, episode number 53. Uh, we're coming in off of an entertaining weekend, some nice weather. Uh, and we're going to be talking a little bit of ADP choices, choices this uh, this episode here. So uh, before we get started, we'll we'll say hello to the fellas and maybe recap on a nice little eventful weekend. And then we'll get into a little bit of fantasy football. So uh, first thing we'll start off there with Zach. Zach, um, what's been keeping you busy, I guess, last couple of weeks? Uh, I've been busy doing some stuff around the house, just uh, odd little jobs that I've been putting off for the past couple of weeks or couple of months, I guess. Uh, also staying up to date on Twitter with uh, different goings of uh, Team Sask. Uh, the U18 team won the Canada Cup Showcase, and they got gold, obviously. Uh, in the, the U18 Futures Western Showcase, the boys brought home gold. Uh, in the U16 uh, Western Canada Cup, they brought home gold. And uh, not to be outdone, the U18 women's uh, team uh, brought home silver at the women's national championship. And uh, just uh, starting this week in Finland, uh, Team Canada has a team uh, competing in the women's world championship and uh, several members of the Evan Hardy coaching staff are on that team. So wishing them all real well. Oh, that's awesome. Good, uh, it's a good time to be a Saskatchewan football player, I guess. My goodness. <laughs> and then, uh, Armin, what about yourself? What's been keeping you busy? Oh, you know, uh, your wedding, it was awesome. It had a blast. Thanks for the invite. Uh, it uh, was a good time. And then uh, just uh, trying to get ready for baby number two on the way. So we had our fun, went to the lake for a week and a half there and had a blast swimming in the water, and then uh, we're we're home now and just uh, doing the waiting game. Yeah, baby number two, that is going to be coming up real quick, eh, Armin? Oh, it's unbelievable how fast it's gone by. This this year, I know the last school year for me went so fast because extra curve was back, and things are just flying by now. Yeah, talked about a little bit about the wedding hall, man. What a good time. I mean, first of all, I've never been so stressed my entire life. I know we've talked about this a little bit, but worth mentioning again, that morning was just like having to memorize everything for the church and make sure everything went good was just, yeah, it was, it was terrifying for some, for some stupid reason, but the reception was awesome. We had our, had our friends there in the hashtag, not a sponsor, the Bush pies that uh, we had a live band for the evening and man, they put on a pretty good performance. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the punk rock music. So they play a lot of like Blink-182 and, and some real good throwback tunes. So I was, uh, I was going pretty hard on the dance floor there. Body's a little bit sore the next morning, that's for sure. But it was, it was a lot of fun. It was nice to see a lot of you guys. So obviously the two of you there. And we actually had some pretty quality fantasy football conversations outside in the parking lot too. So people like, hey, where were you guys? Ah, don't worry about it. <laughs> talking trades, talking this, talking that, talking Green Bay wide receivers. Oh, we, we were having a good time. You can't, can't get us into a room and not have some fantasy football conversations. But but uh, it, it was an awesome time. I'm obviously glad it's over now. A lot of stress off the shoulders. But by the time this episode drops here tomorrow, two days falling, I'll be done master's classes too. So it'll be nice to kindly, kind of just get everything off the shoulders and finally get to enjoy it a couple weeks of summer before school starts back up here. But, but I don't want to start talking about that too much because I want to actually enjoy those couple weeks. So um, just a couple other things here before we get started. I know Zach and I are wrapping up our um, Scott Fishbowl 12 satellite drafts. I know Zach, I think he's either done or just approaching conclusion. Now yeah, I, I wrapped it up. Uh, oh, sorry to cut you off there. Um, oh, no, I wrapped it up uh, the morning or a Saturday morning, actually uh, the morning of your wedding. And uh my last pick was an auto pick, and I, I thought I got a really good sleeper in uh, in John Menchie. And uh, about a day later, unfortunately, the news broke that he is taking the season off to uh, receive treatment for uh, leukemia. So, wishing him all the best. Uh, really unfortunate situation for him, especially coming back from the uh, ACL, I believe. Yeah, and a Canadian too. 
Yeah. Um, but I got, I think I got four rounds left. Mine's been, oh, we'll talk about it later. We'll have uh we'll have maybe have a special Scott fishbowl episode later on maybe, but it's been painful. Just guys timing out and just not putting in an auto draft is timing out. It's been getting incredibly painful, but we're also now into a second other charity draft with myself and Zach. It's called the EFFC four. So the fourth season here, it's uh it's kind of the equivalent of the Scott fishbowl, but a European version of it. Um, the charity of this year is going towards clean drinking water uh, within European communities. Um, so Zach and I are both in the draft now. It just started today on the Tuesday. So we'll kind of keep you guys in loop of that one as well. It's, it's an interesting league, actually. It's a super flex. So you, the only mandatory position is one quarterback. You have to start. The rest is just completely flex. So you can have one additional super flex position. And you can start nine wide receivers, nine running backs, a mixture of the of the obviously the remaining nine so it's a bit of an interesting format so the draft strategy is a little bit different so maybe we'll kind of combine the two um charity drafts into a, a little specialty episode later on there but we'll keep you posted on that one i think mine's going a little bit quicker than zach's for the first time ever too so <laughs> we're going to be bouncing some ideas off each other there too but i think that kind of includes a little bit of where we're at now unless zach maybe you want to have a, have a couple words about the charity drafts no, I think you did a great job of uh, summing it up. The uh, this European one is uh, I'm excited about it because, as you mentioned, the the roster construction is going to be quite a bit different than what most people are accustomed to. So, I'm uh, I'm anticipating some pretty unique builds uh, amongst my you know the other people in my league and you know probably between you and I as well. This is one of those ones where I might have a little fun with it and legit have a zero RB build because you legitimately don't need a single RB. So for the first time ever it might, and you know, you, you don't really win anything, right? It's all for charity. So let's a little, have a little bit of fun with it. I was, oh, I'll save some of this conversation for the, the special episode, but yeah, I'm excited for this draft because it's, yeah, like you said, it's com- completely unorthodox in comparison to other ones we were on, but uh, we'll get a little bit of insiders and headliners going. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. I'm Ron Burgundy. So I'm going to start this segment off with a bit of a downer here. This is uh, near and dear to my heart here. This one's a tough one. Uh, My 2022, I guess 2022-2021 season, whatever it might have been, SAS certified my guy, Chris Carson. I was pumping his tires all off season, uh, battled some injuries and, and a con- continuing neck injury. He's officially called it a career uh, this morning and uh, is retiring and stepping away from the game of football. Uh, but this is kind of an interesting uh, comment that goes into this too. Obviously it's a terrible situation. Uh, he was an incredible running back, um, but just your, your health is more important in the situation, especially when it comes to neck injuries. But uh, while he's retiring, the Seahawks actually released him under the unfit to play CBA rule, I think it was called, uh, which basically is going to allow him to receive several millions of dollars in injury protection benefits. Uh, So he will not be getting his paid out his contract because he is retiring, but he still has the opportunity to basically recover a lot of the financial costs that he is going to lose because he's unable to play due to the injury. So uh, the Seahawks did him real well by sending him off this way uh, because they could have just let him walk and he would have had zero financial uh, commitment or they would have zero financial commitment to him. Uh, But obviously he was a key contributor to their success the last couple of seasons. And uh, he was a good locker room guy as well too. So the Seahawks doing it the right way this way. But I mean, I think this was something we all kind of expected, whether it was now or was down the middle of the season or was next year. I think we were all kind of preparing for fantasy uh, this upcoming year without Chris Carson and the focal of the other two running backs in Seattle, I think is anybody else kind of disagree with that or agree with that? No, I was kind of in that boat too. I was ready for the other two guys, but uh, like I was texting you earlier today, always been cheering for Chris Carson and rooting for him. And it sucks that he uh, he's going out this way, but uh, at least he is getting that uh, money paid for, paid to him through that injury protection benefits and that's that's a good good move by the Seahawks to take care of him like that too by releasing him that way another piece of news here this one just dropped this morning too we had a couple this morning then we have a couple pieces that dropped uh, earlier in the week as well Uh, Julio Jones signs a one-year deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 
Now, this was an interesting one. It was He's been a free agent for quite some time now and delayed, delayed, delayed. And I think we actually had this discussion on a couple episodes prior uh, talking about where we think he might end up going. I think one of the main focal points we thought was Green Bay, and it came out that Green Bay was one of the final two to kind of uh, kick the tires, I guess, on him and possibly bring him into the receiving core. Uh, but Tampa Bay reached out to him. Tom Brady reached out to him, and Julio Jones is signing the one-year deal. So, I mean – there's a couple avenues we can go about this is, is Julio Jones in the fantasy perspective himself, obviously off a down year in Tennessee uh, is Julio Jones done, or has he still got some juice? That's a conversation in itself, but then what does this do to the auxiliary pieces? Is it still the same thing for Mike Evans? Chris Godwin looks like he's going to be coming back a little bit sooner than expected. Um, we had um, his name from Atlanta is escaping me. Uh, sorry. Russell Gage. Russell Gage. Thank you. He was looking like a nice little sleeper piece or some guy that somebody wanted to pick up kind of in the middle of the draft to do with possibly the Godwin injury may not be coming back and just maybe that connection with Tom Brady. But now there's a lot of moving pieces here. I guess maybe Zach will go to you first. Um, do you, what's, what's your perspective on this, I guess, for the receiving core? Uh, and then maybe we'll go to Armin about Julio Jones himself. Huh. Well, I've been keeping a close eye on, on Chris Godwin as I actually picked him up late in, uh, the uh the satellite draft for scott fish um but before i made that pick i i read several articles and most of the articles that i read indicated that he was uh looking like he was going to be coming back uh sooner than later and this morning i think uh, prior to the signing they um they let out that uh he wasn't going to go on pup and that he was going to be ready to go for training camp so in that regard, things seem to be pointing up for him. Um, but in terms of Jones, I don't think it really moves the needle too, too much on Evans or Godwin. Um, if anything, it does dampen uh, the prospects of a Russell, Russell, uh, yeah, Russell Gage uh, breakout. Um, so maybe that Russell Gage season lasted from uh, March until July kind of thing. Um, so like, I don't know. I don't know if it moves the needle too, too much fantasy wise. Like you still have the two big dogs and Evans and, and Godwin. So I don't know. And like looking at it now, Julio Jones is wide receiver 74 uh, overall ADP 226. Um the guys in front of him at receiver, I would rather take a shot on them. I'd rather take a shot on Josh Palmer with the Chargers. I'd rather take a shot on Jahad Dotson with the Commanders, uh, Pickens with the Steelers, Chark with the Lions, Moore with the Cardinals. Um, so even with the signing, I don't think personally I am looking to move them up too, too far. I think if anything, this may be a tick up for Tom Brady. It's just an additional just an additional weapon, right? I don't know if it's going to take much away from those additional receivers, but what it is is just another experienced, bigger body receiver that might benefit him uh, within our, our fantasy context. But Armin, is that somebody that you're willing to maybe take a gamble on? Is is Julio Jones later in your drafts, or do you think we've kind of seen seen the best of him? Um, you know, near the end of drafts, I, I would. Um, some of those names Zach listed, I, I would disagree that I would take a crack at him over those guys. Um, and, you know, with him being older, you're probably going to know right away whether you got something or not there and you're not going to have to try and hold on to him too long. So he's a guy that would be a decent flyer, in my mind at least, uh, taking near the end of the draft. And if he booms in the first few weeks, you can either trade him or hope that he carries that throughout the whole season. Or if he um, kind of stinks and you see that he's the third or fourth fiddle in that Tampa Bay offense, you can drop him. Not, not um, comparing not comparing Julio Jones to Antonio Brown by any stretch of the imagination. But you did see Tom Brady support three wide receivers last year. We had Evans was still successful. Godwin was still successful. And then Antonio Brown had major contribution weeks when he was healthy or not stripping on the sidelines. So it, it's possible <laughs> that, that Tom Brady can still support three wide receivers, but then Russell Gage is still in the mix too, right? So now there's four. And you're going to think of Scotty Miller still gets snaps there. <laughs> Tyler Johnson's in the mix. And I, but a lot of you guys are outside looking in, but there's still a lot of bodies within the wide receiver room. So, I mean, a guy 
literally this news dropped and a guy in our Scott Fish League got him in like the 19th round or the 18.8 or something like that. So, I mean, that's an absolute steal, but I, his, his ADP is going to rise from that, right? That was just, he didn't have a team he was unsigned, so that's where you get him. But it'll be interesting to see where that ADP lands come, you know, your home league draft season, because if it starts creeping into like, you know, the 10th round, then I'm, I'm for sure going to be pretty hands off on, on Antonio, or I'm sorry, I almost said Antonio Brown off uh, Julio Jones, but it'll be interesting where that, where that ends up lining up, you know? Like you said, Tom Brady proved last year he could support three wide receivers. Um, so it's not out of the realm of possibility of him actually having a decent season. Um, just he's got to come back to form. And there's been two seasons in a row where he hasn't been in form here. So he's starting to look a little washed. I think Green Bay fantasy-wise definitely would have been a better place for him to go. But uh, football-wise, probably Tampa. Yeah, I actually agree with that for sure. Talking about Tom Brady, talking about another good quarterback here for fantasy, Kyler Murray. Uh, he was on the holdout type uh, struggle bus this whole offseason, uh, and he ends up signing a deal last week uh, towards the end of the week there. A five-year, $230.5 million deal with $160 million of it fully guaranteed. So um, I, I, it's funny. I was listening to another couple podcasts uh, talking about Kyler Murray and some of the fan bases in Arizona, and they're all all frustrated. You know, oh, we have to pay him so much money, and it's the, the podcast made a good point. It's like, you know, like, that's a good – problem to have that's why you draft a number one overall quarterback so that after five years you have to pay him a buttload of money because that means he's really good like what are you what are you complaining about you know like would you rather have Josh Rosen because you drafted him the year before that too you know like it's it's kind of funny to think about you know just the fan base is just complaining just for the sake of complaining but this is good for I think not only Kyler Murray but it's good for those auxiliary pieces in Arizona now that they have their good premier quarterback lined up for the future uh, you got him for five years. So knowing that those pieces that are around him, there's some solid pieces. I know Hopkins obviously getting older, but some young receivers there, especially um, connecting. Well, I know they just talked about actually the hamstring tweak from uh, from Hollywood Brown there too. So, I mean, that's something to kind of monitor. But do you have those young auxiliary pieces that are going to be with uh, a good premier quarterback for a good duration of time? I mean, look at Trey McBride, tight end. You usually have to wait a few years to see those guys blossom. So that'd be an interesting name. Uh, to kind of, kind of monitor within the years to come as well. So that's that's a big piece of news uh, for fantasy, uh, more or less for, for dynasty, I suppose, the, less than the redraft. But um, I think one more thing to add about that contract is, like right now, I, if I'm not mistaken, it's the number one quarterback contract. Is that correct? Yes, but not, not when it comes to guaranteed money. That's still Deshaun Watson, but the right. overall money is to uh, Kyler Murray. So in a year's time in two years time that's going to be like the seventh eighth ninth just the way it goes yeah right because like as soon as you get herbert joe uh, burrows like jackson once he signs Mm -hmm. uh you know even like hurts maybe like once he once all these next guys get their turn every contract's going to go to the highest paid and then it's just going to keep on you know jumping one after the other so it'll eventually balance out and this will look like a pretty good deal. I'm sure in a year or two. Yeah. Especially yeah. if he becomes this top three quarterback in the NFL and all of a sudden three, four years down the road, you're only paying the guy. What? Like uh top 15 10. million or something like that. <laughs> 15 million in the last year. Cause it's I think if I'm not mistaken, I think this one's front and loaded or something. I can't remember how it over because of the guaranteed money, but um, you know, you're, those last couple of years, and then there was 15, 16 quarterbacks on the pay scale in front of them. And you're, you're an absolute bargain. That's, that's a good point, Zach. Talking about another uh, big, big deal here. You know, I talked about Chris Carson, somebody that was near and dear to my heart here. We'll talk about somebody that's near and dear to the heart of, of Zach Strong. Nikhil Harry is leaving the New England Patriots uh, for a conditional 2024 seventh round pick to the Chicago Bears. Uh, so I know Zach, you've already dropped him in fantasy leagues, but is it worth picking him up on a flyer in your dynasty league, or or are you leaving him at the tombstone there? I I I'm not going to touch him, but you know if there was going to be an offense to go to or a team to go to, um, he landed in a good one for him. Um, landed in a team that uh, desperately needs warm bodies in the receiver room, and and he's a warm body, so that's that's good for him, I guess. That's the kindest way you described him, I think, other than when you drafted at 101. He's a warm, he's a warm body, and that's what you need. 
I think it was 102, uh, actually. Yeah, 102. I think I had Josh Jacobs, I think, at 101, maybe, or something mm-hmm. like that. There's a guy I follow on Instagram, and he uh, does little skits of, like, what's going on in the NFL, and he plays, like, all the different uh, players and stuff, or acts as each one of them. And he did one where um, it was Mac Jones talking to Nikhil Harry, and he was like, oh, man, I was excited to play with you. It's tough to see you traded before we even get to play together. And Harry's like, I was here all last year. And he's like, oh, didn't even notice you. (laughs) No way. (laughs) you're a rookie also pretty accurate i think he actually had like a half decent week one if i'm not mistaken everybody's like oh yeah sell him high sell him high and then it was like no Nikhil harry is gonna do Nikhil harry things um next episode we're gonna get to get into the next segment here that'll do it for insiders and headliners uh we're gonna be talking about adp choices choices and if you want to talk about choices choices you go on to 22fresh.com and you're gonna find yourself some choices choices to be looking good this summer and upcoming fall season uh, I'm wearing my hat. I'm wearing it lots, actually. I'm trying to limit how often I wear it because I don't want to get the sweat stains on it and ruin this nice hat. But as as we get to the colder weather, the fall approaches, the 22 Fresh Hoodie is going to start busting out here. Uh, they got some great opportunities and great options on the online there for you to be able to go and fit anything that maybe is a little bit to your style. Uh, they even have nice hockey apparel if you're into the hockey apparel stuff too and the, the combination with uh, uh, David Pasternak. Uh, so they got different avenues. I know they even had a little booth set up at, at Craven. So if you're at Craven, maybe stopped into the 22 Fresh booth. So when you go to find those choices, choices at 22fresh.com, uh, your next checkout, make sure you use the, the promo code 306FFB15, and you'll get yourself 15% off at the uh, checkout for 22fresh.com. So um, our benefits now benefit you, the listeners at home as well. And making sure that in your next purchase of 22 Fresh, you receive that 15% off with 306 FFB15. So thank, uh, thank you very much, 22 Fresh, for your major sponsorship of this year. And make sure you check out their, their selection online and stay tuned for their fall collection coming out soon. So choices, choices. How this is going to work, folks, is we're going to propose an ADP of a player and have three that are going around a similar boat. And uh, we're going to kind of discuss on maybe who of the three we would want to select based on their average draft position. So ADP, I was standing for average draft position. Uh, we got the quarterback position, wide receiver, RBs, and tight ends. And we'll go through those uh, with a little bit of discussion. So no further ado here, Zach's going to lead us off with the tight end position. All right. So who would you, so I guess choices here, Dalton Schultz, tight end seven, and he is currently going uh, with an ADP of 66. So comparing Dalton Schultz, would you rather have TJ Hawkinson at tight end six going five picks before him at uh, ADP of 61? You guys want to answer that? So say that again, Zach, sorry? So what do you guys think about that? Would you rather have Oh, so Schultz? is it TJ, TJ Hawkinson versus Schultz first? Yeah. I'm going, so this one, this one sucks because I love Hawkinson and I want him all as much as I can get in dynasty. Um, but I think for redraft this year, uh, I'm all over Schultz. Uh, maybe Armin, do you agree? Disagree? I'll give a little bit of a two cents why, but uh, I want to hear what you think first. I would agree as well. Um, Schultz had a more proven season last year. Like he actually destroyed last year. Um, he was a good, good pickup that you could have got as a sleeper last year. And um, I think he's going to continue with that because you look at how many guys left that receiving core from Dallas and um, he should be able to um, continue on w- where he was last year and maybe even um, go further up. So Hawkinson missed a significant amount of time last season. And he was one of my favorite tight end targets last year. Um, but a lot of the similarities on them are, are actually a wash. If you look at the Zeke Pollard situation, as they compare that to Swift, the amount of targets that the two are going to get, that's going to be pretty darn similar. Um, I imagine the targets, I don't have them right in front of me, but the targets and uh, to the running back position are going to be pretty darn similar. Uh, Swift is obviously a pass catching back. Zeke is a, a really good pass catching back as well. Uh, then you look at the wide receiver situation. Uh, we have a Monterey St. Brown who had a really good season. And then the drafting of Jamison Williams, and then on the other side, you've got CD Lamb and then vacated targets. 
and a, and a pretty injured uh, wide receiver room right now in Dallas. So that's where I'm going to start leaning Hawkinson uh, versus Schultz. I'd like to go Schultz because he may be the number two in targets on the team, right? Where Swift is probably going to be ahead of Hawkinson, I'm going to guess. And then the combination of Amonra, uh, Cephas is in the mix too. But then it's just plain and simple. Jared Goff, less than sign. <laughs> Dak Prescott. <laughs> Dak Prescott is superior quarterback than, than Jared Goff. And that's a high-flying high, high flying offense. And I actually have high expectations for Dallas because their offense seemingly wasn't great last year. That's because their defense led the NFL significantly in touchdowns. So I, I like the Dallas offense. And actually, Schultz is one of my favorite targets right now um, at the tight end position. I'll give you and one you more. finished last year as tight end three. Like Dynasty, though, it's sketchy because he doesn't have a contract yet. So he yeah. very well could be on a, on a different team next year. But redraft, I'm all over it. I'll give you guys one more. Dalton Schultz at uh, tight end seven, uh, 66 overall. Or Zach Ertz, tight end 10, 97th overall. So we're talking two to three rounds after Dalton Schultz. This, this one I have a lot harder time with. I actually really like Zach Ertz. I remember last year, Armin and I were doing supervision, and I said, you know, if Zach Ertz could go to one team, I want him either Buffalo or Arizona. I was just all over. Those are two teams I needed tight ends. And uh, the three, was it three full round gap, just about? Like the 10th round, you're looking at Zach Ertz versus like a flyer wide receiver. But when you look at Schultz versus – like, what is that, ADP 66? Like, that's in the fifth round? That'd yeah, be the depending on the size early, of your league. Early sixth, early sixth round. Like, you're looking Dalton Schultz versus, like, Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton. Those are pretty good wide receivers. So, I still lean Schultz because I think there's a lot of upside with him. But, like, Zach Ertz is like a free square. You know you're going to get an abundance of targets for the six, first six games while uh, DeAndre Hopkins is out. And who knows if Hopkins even comes back the same as he was. So I still lean Schultz because I'm really high on him this year in redraft, but uh, Zach Ertz is very, very tempting. See, here, here's where I'd be sitting with Ertz. If I'm waiting for Ertz, then I might wait for, like, Jacecki or Fairmuth or Komet or um, Irv Smith Jr. all behind him, even, who are all decent and young tight ends who could have a breakout this year. Um, so I, I think I might stick with Schultz on that too, um, being a little bullish towards Schultz. Um, I'm just going with the more proven, and in, in the tight end position, you don't want to be stuck with uh, a tight end that uh, you maybe took a gamble on, and you end up having to stream a guy every week because you took the wrong guy. I mean, you could easily be streaming still with Schultz. I like, don't hear what I'm not saying here. I actually really, really like Ertz. Like this is, this is an incredibly difficult decision because I think Zach Ertz is going to be undervalued. Now this is a situation where Armin kind of made a good point. If you're waiting and that's your guy, you might have to take him a little bit earlier than ADP, right? Because you might end up with a guy like Gasicki, which I don't, I'm not a huge fan on. But I think Zach, like, look at Zach Ertz's numbers last year since when he joined Arizona, and they were incredible. And the amount of times that when Kyler, after being hurt, targeted the tight end position was substantial. But one of the main reasons I haven't taken Ertz as much as I like is because I have a lot of shares of James Conner as well. So I'm trying to not, uh, you know, take take the take two options because I want the. If I'm going to go for a stack, it's obviously going to be Kyler and the tight end position, not the running back and the tight end position because they both can't give me points, you know, which I guess in the 10th round or whatever it is where you're getting Ertz is a little bit different, but that's a little bit into the mind of where I'm at on this, but I'm curious <laughs> to see what Zach, Zach thinks. So actually of those three, I was tending to favor um, Hawkinson, actually. Really? Um, yeah, Hawkinson, he did miss five games. Um, but at a, at a point per game pace, Hawkinson is only 0.4 points behind Schultz. Schultz had 10 even on the season and Hawkinson had 9.6. So 
my thought here is with the improved weapons in Detroit, that could potentially open things up more for Hawkinson. And traditionally, uh, it's taken three to four years for tight for most tight ends to come into their own in the NFL. And that's exactly where Hawkinson is right now in his career. So I'm looking at a quarterback in Jared Goff that isn't going to spray the ball uh, deep downfield, uh, but in that short to intermediate route where most tight ends do their damage, I'm looking at Hawkinson here to maybe have a big season. Hawkinson is an absolute bargain for dynasty right now too, coming off the tough season. I can't remember the exact numbers, but he was talking about the tight ends that have put up the numbers that he did in his first two seasons. And it was like guys like all Hall of Famers. There was like 15 or, or 11 names or something like that. And they're all first ballot Hall of Famers, except for one of them. Like it was just like a group of guys that's like, he has to be good. If you do these types of numbers for your first two and you're compared to these guys, it's like you have to be good. And coming off of an injured season and now obviously adding weapons, you can get Hawkinson at an absolute bargain. So um, I, I like that Zach likes him in redraft because that means um, I got him a lot of dynasty. So I'm going to be all over because I want a big season from him this year too. Okay, so we are going to continue on here and we're going to get to Armand, uh, who is going to take care of some running backs here with some interesting uh, ADP situations. Armand, you want to share your running backs? All right. So uh, the first two running backs that I'm going to list here are, are RB13 and RB14. And that is uh, Barkley and Fournette. Barkley's currently going at the, an ADP of 24 and Fournette's ADP 25. And I listed these two because Fournette was going pretty high for us at the beginning of the season. And now reports are coming out that he's coming in a little bit overweight and uh, the coaches aren't too happy. So that might put some more question marks on us here. And then you, uh, put Barkley in there and lots of question marks about his health and whether he can return back to the dominant Barkley that we all know and love. Zach, you want to go first? Sure. So between those two, I am, uh, I'm going to favor Barkley um, for the simple fact that um, between Fournette and Barkley, I think Barkley is the one that offers like league winning potential. Um, he's the type of running back that, when he was healthy as a rookie, um, he had an exceptionally high amount of receptions. Um, and I think he was like a top five running back that season, if I'm not mistaken. Um, since then, he has dealt with the injury bug. But I think while Fournette is a great running back, really good running back too, if you can make that work, uh, Barkley offers that elite league winning potential if he's able to stay healthy. But I will say that I'm not too worried about uh, Fournette's um, alleged uh, weight gain. Um, this is kind of like a clickbait, clickbait season. Um, and that's a pretty easy headline for somebody to write um, in the media. And it's not like Fournette's ever been <clears throat> uh, kind of like a scat back, slim down kind of running back. He's always been kind of a big bully uh, between the tackle kind of guy. So that doesn't worry me, but I think Barkley's league winning potential is what's going to win the day for me. I, I agree with Zach in completely. I hear a couple of things just to add to Barkley. Um, this is one of the better O lines he's had in his career in front of him. And this is one of the healthiest he's been since his rookie season. So um, for those reasons, and I, I was a Barkley truther, obviously went and traded for him this off season. Um, not to say I, I don't like Fournette, kind of similar argument Zach had made. It's just that I, I agree. I think Barkley has the upside, and I think you're getting an absolute bargain with him at his ADP where Fournette, he's going to have to produce. We've seen him fluctuate in production in years past. We've seen a really good year in Jacksonville. Then we've seen an absolute decline. Then we've seen him get traded cuts. I can't remember how it worked out. Then a slow burn until he actually started producing uh, with Tampa Bay. So, uh, I think you know what you've got with Barkley, and at worst, he's going to be your, a pretty good RB2, and he could also be a league-winning RB1, like Zach said, so uh, I agree. Yeah, that's uh, – I agree with both of you guys that way. With uh, the upside of Barkley, it's hard not to take him, especially, like, you could potentially get a league-winning RB2 
as your RB2 and have the 101 currently the way it's sitting right now, right? Because he's sitting at an ADP of 24 in a 12-team league. You could potentially get him at the end of the second round and have the 101 and your uh, second-round pick be Barkley, which is pretty wild if you ask me. Um, And then, like you said, um, Fournette, uh, I'm glad, Zach, that you talked about his weight coming in um because that was back in july i think that he weighed that heavy and he could have been bulking up who knows what was going on there and um he's a professional and like you said he's always been a pounder um the last little bit that you guys didn't talk about though is um also barkley has matt burrito waiting behind him whereas Fernet has rashad white who is a guy that i'm really high on as far as his uh draft as far as his profile and pass catching ability too and his pass catching ability yeah um he's behind Fernet, just waiting chomping at the bit ready to go and um like if you watch any interviews with him like he's a driven guy who wants to he wants to be the RB one at some point in in that on that team, so um, he's going to be com- breathing down Fournette's neck as well this season. Can't believe um, we almost didn't use the Fournette clip. <laughs> Get the net. <laughs> Forgot we had that. <laughs> so then the next one I want to bring in after that was a guy that doesn't really have many question marks behind him. Um, he's had two solid seasons, um, after not starting out too hot in the NFL, but now he's kind of started to prove himself as a good, reliable workhorse running back. And that's David Montgomery. Um, so you throw him into the mix there and, uh, you guys still going Barkley? Yeah, this one's easy. No, no, I, I am actually a bit concerned about Montgomery with the new coaching regime and the emergence of uh, what is now sophomore Khalil Herbert. He had a really good rookie campaign. You never know what's going to happen with a new coaching regime. So I am, I'm a little bit concerned about Montgomery, uh, and I still have that up arrow for, for Barkley. So it's, it's an easy one for me. Yeah, I want to stick with uh, Barkley um, just because of the potential. But um, as somebody that's had both um, Montgomery and Barkley, on the same dynasty team for a couple of years, like the dependability of David Montgomery is just outstanding. He's like the Ford focus, the Toyota Corolla of (laughs) dynasty running backs. Like this guy's doing 13 game seasons, 15 game seasons, 16 game seasons. Like he doesn't miss a lot of football and he is a steady Eddie running back to like, God bless you, David Montgomery. <laughs> do you think he's going to be an RB2 again this year, Zach? I do, yeah. I think uh, Herbert offers enough uh, difference in skill set from Montgomery that they can exist, they, they can coexist in the offense while still having Montgomery be the workhorse. I got a, I got a Khalil Herbert Genesis rookie card, so I'm hoping he absolutely has a career because <laughs> that, that card goes up in value, but that's just pure, uh, that's just pure out of my own uh, intentions <laughs> and wishful thinking. But, um, well, Armin, what do you say, Barkley or Montgomery? I, I would sit Barkley still too for the same reasons you guys talked about. Um, and Herbert does worry me a little bit. He was more efficient than, than Monty, but like Zach said, he's got a different skill set. Um, but in order for that offense to support two RBs, like we've seen other teams do in the NFL, and it's definitely a thing that can happen where you have two RBs that are worth playing in fantasy on one team, um, that offense needs to take huge strides forward this year in order to do that as well. Um, but it isn't within, it is within the realm of possibility. The little tidbit, like Zach said, with the Ford focus part of Montgomery is that if you take a risky pick, in your first round at the RB or your first RB is a risky pick. Um, maybe take Monty just for that uh, safe little pick there. Um, and then uh, if you take a, a, a for sure, or what, I guess, if you don't take a risky pick in the first round, then uh, maybe then then you take the risk with Barkley in the second round, right? Um, if, if you want to play it like that, you, you always want to have that balance between risk and, and playing it safe on your roster. I'm uh I had a hard time picking which ones I want to do here. I'm taking care of the wide receivers. 
So I put two in here, but I think I'm, I'm going to go with the one that I wanted to go first. The second one I had was a group of second year wide receivers that actually are incredibly close in ADP. Uh, but the ones I want to go with here, uh, the first two, I'm going to go with the ones in my gut. I have DJ Moore, uh, who is the wide receiver 18 at ADP 50. So he's going at the round 5.2. And then we got Mike Williams, uh, wide receiver from the Los Angeles Chargers wide receiver 19 so they were going back to back against each other in the wide receiver rankings but ADP he's at 55 so it's about a five pick gap between the two of them uh and he's going about around 5.7 so uh between the two of them uh, they're both young wide receivers one has an upgrade at quarterback the other one still has the contract signed with a premier quarterback so where are you going DJ Moore or Mike Williams we'll start with uh we'll start with Armand oh boy I just quickly was looking here because my gut instinct was telling me Mike Williams over DJ Moore. Um, but DJ Moore quietly had a, actually a pretty good season last year and he wasn't that far off from where Mike Williams finished last year. But um, I think I'm still going to finish or stick with Mike Williams here. Um, you guys kind of convinced me on our last episode there with the way you're talking about him. Um, there's a possibility he becomes the alpha and over Keenan Allen and in, um, LA there and then the quarterback play for the Chargers is definitely going to be better than the quarterback play for Carolina because we don't even know who is going to be the quarterback there. Zach, do you agree? And this is going to be a pretty boring episode. I think we're all we're all agreeing with one another. Um, I think Mike Williams for me is the easy choice. Um, Mike Williams showed just last year that he has the potential to be a, a top 12 a top 10 um receiver in the offense that he is currently in um and while dj moore has been a top end receiver um even last year being a top 20 receiver um i think with the offense that's around him and the uncertainty at quarterback and the potential for the coaching staff or with matt rule at least to get fired uh within this season that leaves a lot to uh a lot of i guess unpredictability in his range of outcomes and if i'm going to draft a receiver in the first couple of rounds like that i do want to have some predictability and even with the volatility that mike williams does have in his game um i do think it's more predictable and more safe than uh what dj moore might be dealing with this year i agree with you guys both I, I talked about Mike Williams last time and how much I do like Mike Williams so that's uh that's an easy decision here for me so the next one here we're going to talk about is uh, I'm just pulling it up here we got Mike Williams and we got Jerry Judy so this one's a little bit more interesting in a sense that uh and I can also I got Jerry Judy I can say Cortland Sutton depending on who you believe is the wide receiver one so I'll leave that up in there Jerry Judy is the wide receiver 21. Cortland Sutton is the wide receiver 24. Uh, so Cortland Sutton's 64 ADP, Jerry Judy 61. So that would put Jerry Judy at around 6.2. And then uh, Cortland Sutton would be about 6.7. So we're looking around a full round gap between Mike Williams and Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy about eight or so picks ballpark. Um, so it depends on who you think would be the wide receiver one in uh, Denver with the new quarterback or Mike Williams, are you staying the part? We'll start with Zach. We'll come back to Armin on this one. I think I'm still going to stick with, with Mike Williams. Um, with Mike Williams, we know exactly what we're going to get. We know that even with um, Keenan Allen in place, uh, Mike Williams is able to be a, you know, a back end wide receiver one or a, really valuable, really dominant high-end wide receiver too. Um, what we don't know right now is how that pecking order is going to break down in Denver. Right now, all we know is that they get a massive upgrade at the quarterback position with Russell Wilson. What we don't know is how that's going to shake out amongst targets. Is he going to be hyper-focused on one of those guys or is he going to spread the ball around? And I think we might be discounting Tim Patrick. Maybe Tim Patrick is the receiver that Russell Wilson really, really favors. And you can get him um, in like the ninth, 10th round. Yeah, he's like 
he's like Julio Jones territory right now. Yeah. Like, like wide receiver, like 70. So um, not that I think Judy or Sutton are necessarily bad picks. I just think that Mike Williams is maybe a more safer option at the price that you're going to pay. But with that said, you could also, you know, scratch and uh, win like the million dollar prize. And you might get the Bronco receiver that, you know, is like a top five option. So he's wide receiver 64. So he's in the boonies just for confirmation. Tim Patrick. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the safer bet is Mike Williams still with the unpredictability in his range of outcomes, but um, I'd rather take that than kind of the unknown with, uh, with Judy and Sutton. What are you, what's your thoughts there, Armand? You know, I want to play devil's advocate on this one really badly. My heart's with Mike Williams, but I'm trying to think of an argument for Jerry Judy and I'm just struggling right now. Um, or even Cortland Sutton there. Um, like Zach said, we don't know who Russell Wilson's going to pick to be his number one guy. And then even in Seattle, um, it, it was hard to predict who was going to go off um, there. So he never really had like a number one guy once Metcalf came in between him and Lockett, right? Like it was one week Lockett would go off for 40 points. And then the next week it was DK and Lockett was getting like five points, right? Um, so it just kind of goes game by game, it seems, with Russell Wilson. So I'm going to trust in, in Herbert a little bit more. And um, I also have this feeling that the, the Chargers are going to be in more shootouts uh, as well than the, the Broncos. The Broncos do have that pretty good defense. Not to say the Chargers have a bad defense, but um, I think the, the Broncos defense is a little bit more stout going into the season here. We've seen Sutton put up over 1,100 yards in his sophomore season. He put 704 in his rookie season, 100, uh, just about 100, yeah, just over 111 in his sophomore, and then he got injured, and then 776 last year, and that was with abysmal quarterback play. Um, I'm leaning towards the sense that I think it's Corton Sutton is going to be the wide receiver one. Uh, ADP would disagree with that. It's Jared Judy. I mean, I think Jared Judy's got the more of the, the, the quicker twitch profile, where Corton Sutton's got the male, maybe the bigger body, uh, six foot four, 216 pound frame. Um, if I knew who's gonna be the wide receiver one, I think this would be an easy one. I would want to go with Russell, Russell Wilson and, uh, and the shot at this year's Cooper cup. Like that, that is the realm of possibilities with the wide receiver one here. And you're getting them in the, what I say, fifth round here, we're looking at sixth round. So middle, early six to towards the late six, uh, where was Cooper cup last year? I want to say he was in the fifth middle fifth. Yeah. So we're, we're in that range of possibility where both of them have elite profiles. Um, but I don't think Mike Williams could be wide receiver one where I think Jerry Judy and Cortland Simon, it's in the range of possibilities for them uh, with that. Cause we never seen him with an elite quarterback. Right. So I still, this is a, this is a hard one because best ball I'm leaning Mike Williams for sure. If I'm in my redraft leagues, I think I'm going to take the shot on one of those Denver wide receivers. And that's pretty well based on roster construction. If I have a, a locked and loaded elite, like Justin Jefferson wide receiver one, then I'm going to take Mike Williams, where if I got maybe the Tyreek Hill in the third round or, or middle of second, then okay, maybe I'll go with this um, high floor, possibly low ceiling Denver, Denver option. But that's, that's uh, it's tough to say because it all depends on who you're drafting in that, in that construction. Right. Uh, last one here, Zach, do you want to talk about the quarterbacks? Sure. So, uh, this one's kind of, uh, been on my mind, uh, just with the Scott fish draft and the EFFC draft, both being super flex. Um, so this is, uh, the Jalen hurts question. So right now, Jalen hurts is quarterback eight with an ADP of 68 overall, would you rather have Hertz at that price or Dak Prescott at quarterback seven ADP 65? Uh, first? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Armin, do you want to go first? Oh, I thought you said, can I go first? Okay. Oh. Sorry. Um, 
that is is a tough one. Hertz has kind of made strides every season. Um, but you know what? I think I, I'm going to stick with Dak here. Um, just the proven capability there. Um, they're not too far off ADP-wise. If, if maybe one was quite a bit lower, then I'd choose that one. But uh, they're so close there that I'll stick with Prescott and just uh, play it safe at the quarterback position. Um, rather than taking uh, the rushing upside of Hurts because I don't quite believe in him quite yet. Um, I think he, he needs another year of growth to really be an elite uh, fantasy option. Here we go. We got a disagreement going here, finally. <laughs> I'm taking Jalen Hurts because last year, Jalen, and even the year before, the year, especially the year before, Jalen Hurts was not a good football, football player. Even the start of last year, Jalen Hurts wasn't a very good football player but he was still top 10 in fantasy points every single week. Now, towards the end of the season, we started seeing him make gigantic strides, like Armin Hardy said, as a football player. And he, Devon Smith was putting up productions. He was targeting the running backs a little bit. And he's still doing a lot of mobile quarterback things. He was having a really good season. And towards the stretch, he was finishing in that quarterback one to five range down the stretch. Now adding an incredible premier big body wide receiver like AJ Brown, who is in, was, is really, really good with the contested catches. I think that's just going to put him above. I've seen a lot of high profile fantasy analysts rating Jalen Hurts as QB two on the season going AJ Brown, Jalen Hurts. And that's not one, two, that's, that's several. Uh, and that's in the range of possibilities. He has that high, high floor with the, with the running. And then you can add the opportunity of him, taking a next step forward with his passing with the addition of some weapons. I think it's in the range of possibility where it is in the range of possibility at Dak, but we haven't seen the last couple of years because his rushing has gone down significantly because of the injury to two seasons ago, a season and a half ago. Uh, I do like Dak Prescott a lot. I do think he's going to have a good season, but I'm going to take the discounted one round later on Jalen Hurts with the continued increased tick of his rushing platform and gaining weapons. So I'm, I'm going to take Jalen Hurts in that situation. Interesting, interesting. All right, so this one is it's kind of building off what we just talked about with you there, uh, JC. Would you rather have Jalen Hurts, quarterback eight, ADP of 68 overall, or would you rather have Russell Wilson, quarterback 10, ADP 74? Do you want me to go first in this one, Armand, or do you want to go? You can go first. Okay, I'm sticking with Hertz. The 68 to 74, we're looking at like about a, a ballpark, about a full round, um, it, somewhere in that general area. Uh, Jalen Hertz, same system, same coaching staff, addition of one huge weapon where Russell Wilson is going into a new coaching staff, a new system, new wide receivers, and we've seen it take time for them to establish some of that dominance. Not to say he, he can't do it week one, but I'm going to bet on the side of history where maybe it's going to take a little bit of time to get it going. Um, now, I do think he's going to have a good season, but that's going to be your year-end season, and he's going to pick it up towards the end where maybe at the start of the season he's going to have uh, decline numbers, and that might hurt you in, in your standings if you're, if you're relying on that quarterback in the first couple of weeks and he puts up not great numbers. Or Jalen Hurts, I still see that trajectory going forward. One-round discount, I think, isn't enough for me to maybe make that plunge. So I'm still going to stick with Jalen Hurts because I am I am high on Jalen Hurts this year. So of those three, oh, Armin, you have to go, right? Yeah. Yeah, pardon me. Um, Sorry, go ahead there, boss. Yeah, I think what Jordan said there about Russ, like it might take some time there to uh, to get things going. Um, but what about, uh, what about Dak? What about Dak to Russ, Armin? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm looking at that and that one is like a full round. You can wait around to pick up your your QB and maybe pick up a different piece somewhere else. And you know what? I might be willing to take that, uh, that uh, gamble and, and wait around to pick up Wilson around later there. Um, let me just quickly look here. You love who, Russ though. You had him on your rosters every year in the, in the teacher league. No, I didn't have him last year. Okay. Well, the three years before that you did. <laughs> um, every year I played against you was was a big week in week five he crushed me every single week every year <laughs> oh boy 
Um, you know what? Like, if I miss out on Russell Wilson, you know, I got Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, um, Trey Lance. You know what? I'd I'd be willing to wait the round and and gamble on on Russ coming to me in the next round there and and taking a different piece instead of taking Dak Prescott there. Um, yeah. I'm curious what Zach thinks. So of those three, I think um, I would go with with Russ actually. Um, <clears throat> Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, they both play in the NFC least. Um, they are both the two, or they're both on two of the stronger teams in their division. Um, whereas Russ is in a absolute bloodbath of a division, um, AFC West. Um, they could very easily be the best team in that division, or they could be the worst team in that division. Uh, regardless, I think they're going to have to put up some points uh, in order to compete. So I see there being lots of opportunities for Russ to, uh, to score some points this year. Uh, and that's also kind of taking into account that Jalen Hurts, yeah, he's a super, super um, – dynamic player with the ball in his hands um that passing game still does leave a little to be desired uh and Dak Prescott has lost several weapons this off season uh even with Gallup coming back he's coming back from a bit of an injury so I'm going to take my chances with Russell Wilson and the potential that they're going to be in a number of shootouts competing with the likes of the Chargers the Chiefs and the Raiders that's an interesting perspective to put it into that context. Like for most of us, we're talking about just general fantasy production, but to think about it in a sense that like, Hey, he's in a bloodbath of a division. That's an interesting perspective because you can look at what history, like what they've done historically. And I guess you can say Russell Wilson was in a tough division previously. I mean, they've always been in the, in the competitive division playing against some pretty good football teams, but uh, the, we have never seen a division like the, the Chargers and, and Denver and KC, like it's going to be this upcoming year. It's going to be insane. But I'm looking yeah. at some Jalen Hurts numbers here just for argument's sake. Like he started off that week one with 33.46. He had a huge week. And then he kind of went into like the, you know, 18, 14, whatever. But then he started getting into, you know, leading up to the by 28, after the by a 21, 17. And then he concluded the season with a 12 point week, um, which obviously if you start him in a championship week, that sucks, week 17. Uh, but he, I think the the trajectory of Jalen Hurts, especially with with the highest rushing floor out of any of them, I think is is something that you want to pursue in drafts. And and one round difference for me isn't enough to to push away from that. It's like like there's a reason people are going after Trey Lance so much. We've seen nothing from Trey Lance other than the fact that he can move like crazy, and everybody wants Trey Lance. Right, but at least we know what we got with Jalen Hurts with that rushing platform. We have no idea what we got with Trey Lance right now. And I say that name because I saw you typing it in the doc a little bit earlier. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he was going to be, yeah, he was going to be kind of a wild card in that conversation um, yeah. because you're absolutely right. We haven't seen anything out of Trey Lance, and in in both of those uh, super super flex drafts that I've done. Uh, He's been like a second round pick in all of them. He's been uh, like a top 10 quarterback. And like, even though like this is for charity, it is for all for a good cause. I think that's a, that's a huge gamble that it could win you the whole thing, but it could also blow up in your face. Exactly. And that's where those, those are the drafts you want to take the risk, but it's still competitive. You're still doing a competitive draft and you want to have a nice team and you want to have something to talk about, but it's a risky pick. Certainly. Um, you guys want to do my hot take? I know I was gonna have this one last episode. I pushed it to this one. You guys yeah, want to get it going? Water. This one's spicy, boys. I'm gonna give you the heads up there. I've but, been excited to hear you say it. Yeah, I I haven't told many people this one because I don't want to maybe get it out there. I thought I had a chance to turn it around, but but I'm still gonna do it here. So we'll we'll get the uh, the hot take on here. You're not on fire, Ricky Bobby. I'm on fire. Okay, so context, I had this queued up, ready to go after the big Baker Mayfield uh, dilemma, the trade, the conversation that we had. 
And um, I, I just, with all the weapons I have, and I call weapons the, the Sam Darno, I have him in a couple of leagues and some super flex leagues. I was really hoping, you know, he's going to pan out last year. It, it didn't happen. And now Baker Mayfield's in town. And I've, I've always thought, you know, Baker Mayfield's a good, not great quarterback, uh, but I think he's got shafted. Uh, he was in a predicament where going into last season, Cleveland Browns were one of the top three favorites to win the Super Bowl. And they had high expectations. Um, then injury started happening and Baker got injured. And then it was, well, we're still going to win the Super Bowl. Well, Baker's thinking, you know, there's a lot of pressure on my shoulders. Uh, if I don't start, it's not going to happen. So I'm going to play. I'm going to play for my job. And all of a sudden, that started getting up in the air and he played injured. And, then, you know, there's always the argument, well, if you don't play, you can be replaced. Well, he played injured and he got replaced. So, I mean, I think he kind of got the crap end of the stick in the situation. I think he's a, I think he's a, he's a good quarterback, but he's not a great quarterback. Now, with that being said, uh, this is one of the better situations he's been. I mean, he's been with OBJ, who I think is a pretty good wide receiver, uh, but he is, um, was always injured. He never got a full season with him. And now you're in a situation where I think he's going to be uh, even better. So here's my full hot take, and we'll dissect it a little bit, and I'll hear what you guys want to think, okay? Baker Mayfield is going to win the job as a starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. That's part one. He's going to start the season as the quarterback, as a 1-0 beating his former team. The Carolina Panthers play the Cleveland Browns week one of the NFL season. Baker Mayfield is going to start the season 1-0 as a starter beating his previous team. Feasible. Both are feasible. Here's where it gets spicy. Baker Mayfield is going to finish as QB 15 or higher on the season, beating his highest career finish. His highest career finish was QB 15 in, I think it was his sophomore season. I can't remember off the top of my head here. So that's where it gets real spicy to finish as a top 15 quarterback. So there's three parts to this one that has to happen for, for this hot take to, to conclude. Now, putting all into context, DJ Moore, really good wide receiver never had a good quarterback Christian McCaffrey incredible incredible running back and check down specialist that could take one to the house just like that quarterbacks get those points doesn't have to air out a 95 yard bomb you could put a negative two check down to Christian McCaffrey you can house it and he gets all those points uh, you also have some decent auxiliary pieces that had some draft capital like Terrace Marshall um, I mean, that's not great, but it's something that had high draft capital going into this past season. Um, you got a, a really good defense and you also have a pretty decent offensive line as well. So I think there's, it's, I mean, it's obviously a hot takes, not a lock, but I think there's a lot to put into place. That I think he could be successful. So what do you guys think about that one? Can I go first? Sure. All right. So I will buy two out of those three uh, pieces. I'll buy uh, quite confidently that he's going to be the starter. And I'll even buy him uh, starting the season 1-0. Um, obviously, if Deshaun Watson is suspended, that's going to be a lot more realistic and achievable than if he's not suspended and he starts that game uh, for the Browns. But the part that I am hands off on entirely is him finishing the season as a top 15 quarterback. And that's not necessarily his fault. It's, it's just the, the, the quarterback landscape looking at the top 15 quarterbacks from last year. I could only really realistically see two of them falling um, from that top 15 uh, window. And that is Tannehill QB 12 and Carson Wentz who somehow finished QB 14. I don't know what the heck happened. <laughs> I'm surprised to see that name there. Um, so I could see two of those guys falling uh, from that top 15 threshold. But then there's also the likes of Russell Wilson, who is QB 16, and Mac wasn't. Jones, QB 18, Matt Ryan, QB 20, and Tua, QB 26, who I think all have a better chance of being a top 15 quarterback than Baker does. So not necessarily any fault of, of Baker, but it's just the, the people that he's competing with to get into that top 15 range. The last time we've seen him healthy, he was, I said, good, not great. We also haven't seen because when he was in his injury, we haven't seen him get that rushing platform back up a little bit as well too. He's not known as a rushing quarterback, 
but those rushing numbers do help obviously the fantasy production so and I'm also banking on an injury here too there's always injury that kind of goes on that play but uh it's spicy like I said it's real spicy he was a guy that was interested in super flex leagues as my quarterback two or three quarterback three with some upsides on QB two uh he went unfortunately for me in the Scott Fishbowl so I didn't get him he actually went way earlier than I expected but Armin you're the captain of the spicy takes I'm curious if you if you think I can go three for three or no on that one. Um, I think I would be willing to bet my life savings that he will end the starting QB job there. Um, it is a, like, Darnold is, I don't done. believe in him at all. Done, done. Yeah, so I think it's Mayfield's job to lose. Um, starting 1-0, beating the Cleveland Browns, that I think is – might be tougher in my mind than the QB 15, actually. Um, Didn't Carolina, though. Oh, uh, but uh, yeah, I I have trouble believing in, in CMC anymore, but I guess CMC only needs to play that one game for it to be 1-0. Um, but uh, I, I think that Cleveland team is just better than the Carolina team, so it's going to have to take Mayfield putting that team on his shoulders and being like, I want to prove that. They, they made a mistake by getting rid of me there. Um, and we all know that that's pretty tough to do in a football game, not impossible. But a guy like Mayfield, I don't think quite has the, the gutso to put a team on his shoulders like that. Um, but I could see a path them being QB 15. I think that'd be a bit more likely, to be honest, than the beating the, the Cleveland Browns. Um, but... Uh, like Zach said, there's some guys there that he's got to beat, but also some of those guys have to prove themselves and there also can't be injuries and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. I'll take two or three. If I can go two for three, that's a success. If I go three for three, that's, that's a huge W. I'm not going to lie to you guys. <laughs> if, yes. uh, if Watson is suspended for that game, that week one game, and it's Baker versus Jacoby Brissett, Red zone won't have one second of that game on. No, like <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be who throws a pick six. I think I yeah. shouldn't say that because I'm sure they'll have, the they'll have Chris Hansen on there for two seconds as like we're gonna go to the know, like JC Horn runs one in for six. Yeah, we're gonna go to the Octovision and we're not gonna bring in the Carolina game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I really miss Chris Hansen. That's oh so funny. Oh, good stuff. Anything to add here, fellas, before we wrap this one up? No, this is a fun one. Yeah, yeah. episode 53 here in the books, folks. Uh, we'll have episode 54 coming up right away, and then we might even have a little bit of a uh, charity special episode, depending on how fast we get our second charity league in here. But uh, I think that is going to do it here for episode 53. Uh, on behalf of myself, Zach, and Armin, the 306 Fantasy Football uh, uh, family here and obviously 22 fresher major sponsor thank you very much for listening take everybody and uh let's talk soon